What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. The Radio Forest Podcast. Hello, this is David. David, hey, it's Forrest in Boise, Idaho. Hi, Forrest, how are you? Good, talking about the Friends of the Bob and Tom Show comedy tour. Looking forward to it. I, I've been to, out to Boise a few times and worked at Liquid Laughs. Is Liquid Laughs still even open? No, they closed in the pandemic. I don't think necessarily because of the pandemic, but I think it might have been like a good time. Like, yeah, I think we're going to get out. A couple times there. How much traveling yeah. have you been doing since COVID and the whole live aspect of everything? Well, things are starting to get back to, I mean, certainly not normal, but things are starting to go back. Like I've got the next few months booked up, which is, you know, I was kind of surprised at this point I'd have that booked up, but um, things are starting to get back to normal. This is not, and we can certainly talk about this if you want to, but uh, I also just a few years ago became a firefighter. I'm a full-time firefighter now as well. Yeah. Age age of 49, right? 48, I became a firefighter. 48. So, but that schedule, the schedule that firefighters work still allows me a bunch of weekends to be able to still do gigs. So I kind of have the best of both worlds. I have two jobs that I absolutely love. So what made you decide to to kind of get into the firefighting later in your career then? Well, here's what happened. After college, I had considered doing some military service and a couple people were like, oh, I don't know if you want to do that. And unfortunately, for, for my own personal being, I kind of listened to him and I didn't do it. And it was always a regret that kind of stuck at the back of my mind. So I got to an age where I was in good shape. I worked out a lot. I was healthy. My kids were out of the house, either moved out or in college. So we were kind of empty nesters. And the township where I live in on the northeast side, just outside of Grand Rapids, Michigan, was hiring paid on-call firefighters. And I thought this would be a challenging, exciting way to be able to serve the community and see what I can do. And so they put me through the academy and everything. And I just, here's the thing for us. It was one of those things where you're like, I think I'm going to like it. And then you're like, I love this. I absolutely love it. I love the kind of paramilitary structure to it. It gives you a lot of order, but I also just love the challenge of it. I mean, there's some, you know, risky, fun things you get to do. And not to sound too much like a Boy Scout, but I just, I truly just love helping people. It was, it's just a, a very fun, exciting, and gratifying job. I just absolutely love it. What was so. something then it was surprising? Would it have been maybe how challenging the physical aspect was? I'm sure there's emotional issues that come with some of the stuff you see because oh yeah, I don't know how yeah. long this has been a thing, but when I was a kid, this didn't happen. But I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, every like auto accident, they'll send a fire truck. My sister oh, yeah. had a baby. And it came very quick. They called 911. The firefighters got there first. My brother-in-law was like, I didn't know the fire company was coming. I go, I think that's standard now. Yeah. Well, the department I'm with, here's the thing. I'm kind of in flux, not flux, I should say. I'm full-time with the city of Muskegon, which is over on the lakeshore of Michigan. And it's, it's a great department. I absolutely love that job. We're very busy. We run a lot of medical calls, fight a lot of fire out there. But- I'm actually in two weeks, I'm moving back to the department that I originally started in. A full-time position opened up there and I took it. I'm going to miss Muskegon dearly because I love that job. It's been great, but this is a little more money. It's five minutes from home. And so I'm going to be moving back, doing full-time there. But anyway, back to what you were saying. Yeah. In Muskegon, we are the first responders for almost all medicals and everything. And 
if nothing else, you know, EMS, they're usually right behind us, but we'll get on site, kind of begin to assess the patient, find out what's going on, get some vitals. So by the time that the EMS service gets on scene, we've got some information for them and can turn it over nicely. And, and we stick around if we're needed, if we need to help load a patient or whatever. So, but yeah, for most medicals out in Muskegon, we are the uh, first, first people on scene. How did your wife take that then? Because you've been married for a couple of decades. So that changes, yeah. that changes who she is. She's now the wife of a firefighter. <laughs> when I first, and this is the truth, when I first told her that I wanted to do this, she was a little upset because the kids had just moved out and she was like, look, we're empty nesters now. This is the time of our life. We're supposed to, supposed to reconnect and get to know each other again. And you're telling me that you would rather run into a burning building, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, I didn't really think of it that way, but I, that does sound much safer. So... I think that's what, <laughs> but it took, it took about two weeks yeah. of me driving her bananas to where she's like, you know what? I think you should do it. Go sign up. Any super scary but, instances so far? Any big fires? Any like uh, massive building collapses or anything like that? I had, I, we did have a fire out in Muskegon that was like, even people who've been there a long time, was, and this is my, my fourth week at Muskegon about a, a year ago that they said is probably a career fire. You probably won't have one like that again. We had, it was a Dollar General store that had started on fire and the employees didn't call 911 for a bit because it was a time in the spring where people were burning a lot of the yard waste and stuff like that. So there was always kind of the smell of smoke in the neighborhood. So they, they smelled smoke, they didn't really think of it until they saw some flames dripping down in the back of the store and they're like, oh boy, we better call. So the point being that the fire had been festering in the cockloft of the building for a, a little while. But that thing was huge. And um, the guy who was our incident commander on scene was fantastic. And uh, we at first tried to go interior, but it was so hot and so smoky. And I'm sure as you can guess, the interior of a store like that, there's tons of aisles. So it's basically a labyrinth. So the point being, if you get trapped and you can't find your way out, it's not a good day. They tried to go interior for a little bit and they pulled him right out. And then he had me and a couple other guys he sent us up to the roof. We were going to try and uh, do what's called vertical ventilation, basically cutting some holes in the roof to let the uh, hot air and the smoke and everything escape. That way it's easier to fight a fire inside if you can do that. There's three of us heading up the ladder. The guy at the top of the ladder got to the top, looked over the parapet of the building, saw the HVAC unit that had started the fire in just a ball of flames. He sounded the roof with a tool and he looked at me and goes, this roof is already spongy. And so I yelled down to the incident commander, I said, Steve said it's spongy, and he said, come down, we're going to go defensive. And at that point, you basically just hit it with the ladder trucks from the outside and just do your very best to make sure stuff around it doesn't catch on fire. We're talking to David Dyer, comedian, and yes, as we mentioned, firefighter. He's coming to Boise, Idaho with the Friends of the Bob and Tom Show comedy tour, Saturday, February 12th, Egyptian Theater. It's sold out. I think they might release a couple more tickets, but how did you first get in touch with Bob and Tom? Because... Throughout the years, it's got to be in the thousands of comedians come through, and you've become mm -hmm. somewhat of a regular. So talk me through that first appearance or first discussion with the Bob and Tom Show. I was down in Indianapolis. I was featuring at a club that was down, down there called Crackers downtown. At the time, I had a manager, a guy named Mark Ridley, who had contacted them. He knew them from you know other comics that he had managed and stuff like that in the past and said, hey, one of my guys is going to be in Indianapolis. Any chance he could get on the show? And at that time, a woman named Joni Downing was the booker. And she said, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll have him on. So I took that as an opportunity to where I, I really worked hard. I knew they kind of 
would have bits that they wanted to lead you into and everything like that. So I just, I worked really hard on having a good set of bits that would work well on the radio, ready for them. And then, you know, all the cues that Tom wanted to kind of get me into them and so on and so forth. And it just, it couldn't have gone better. And they were just so nice to me and it went so well. They were like, Hey, anytime you're in the area, just let us know ahead of time. And uh, we'd love to have you back on. And so that just became over the years, to be able to to go on many, many times and also for them to have confidence in me to where I would still go on and give Tom a couple new bits that I was working on, but I would also, they had the confidence in me where they would just kind of roll me into the conversation of what was going on. It just got so comfortable and so much fun, just developed a great relationship with all those guys and still love going in there. We just have, it's just laughs all the time. Did you notice a change in your fans relatively quickly? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's I I think what what kind of strikes you for me is that they're they're extremely loyal fans. I can remember we were out in Fresno doing a show. A couple guys came up to me after the show and said, hey, we love the show. And I said, hi, I'm Dave Dyer. And they go, yeah, we know we hear you on the radio all the time. It was tough for me to grasp that people in Fresno when I live in Grand Rapids, they've been on the show in Indy. But there's people in Fresno who are fans and you're like, this, it's just kind of a weird, it was kind of a weird thing for me, but it was great. And um, those shows, these tour shows that we do, I'm thrilled we're doing some of them again, because again, the fans are always so good. They're so loyal to the show and they're just looking forward to seeing you. And it's just a fun night. Yeah, it was going to be Josh Arnold. Boyce, he was super excited because, you know, the fans haven't seen him on tour, but it's you, Donnie Baker yeah. and Greg Hahn. And I assume that you've known those. Yeah probably since almost day one, because they're also regulars. Every couple of weeks, one of them, if not every day, Donnie's on. Yeah, uh, yeah I know both of those guys. <laughs> I've already, we've already been texting uh, just about just looking forward to seeing each other. Greg Hahn is one of the funniest people on the planet. Every time I text him, his first text back is always, uh, Dyer, stop texting me. I only text with chicks. So, <laughs> so that's his first reply. Every time I text him and uh, we just have a great time. We laugh so much. So as, as much as I'm looking forward to doing shows for the wonderful people of Boise, I can't wait to see, uh, to see Donnie and Greg as well. Let's talk real quick about some of the other stuff. I know you've had a couple of specials on dry bar comedy and you do have a podcast, yep. right? Idioms. How often is that podcast? Idioms has been on hold for a little while, but here's the thing. In the next few weeks, it's going to be coming back. I did about 64 episodes. And for anybody who can go, you can go find them on YouTube. You can download them off uh, Apple's podcast. They're basically about four or five minutes. And I absolutely love doing, I love all the different idioms we say in life. I kind of just do a little history of them. I mean, because a lot of them come from historical things and you'd be amazed if you go listen to them. So many of them come from very dark, grim things like torture, punishment, all sorts of stuff like that. Like, no skin off my back is exactly what you're thinking. If you go back and look at the history of that one, you go, oh, my goodness, we were horrible to each other. Idioms is going to be coming back in the next few weeks. Now, recently we lost Louis Anderson. You, you'd worked with him before, right? You had met Louis. I did. Yeah, yeah. Many, many years ago at a club in Lansing, Michigan. And it was at the same time. He was a uh, host of the Family Feud, so he was doing that. But yeah, just, you know, he is one of those people. Uh, there's all different kinds of comedy. There's all different points of view and everything like that. But guys like Louie just had, not only was very funny and a great writer and had great jokes, but just this instant likability. You know, there's, a, there's comics out there who the minute they get on stage, 
it doesn't take long for the crowd to just go, I love this guy or I love this woman. They settle in and that is such a huge part of who they are is that they're just so incredibly likable. And Louie was definitely one of those. And he couldn't have been nicer. And, you know, he didn't have to watch my set or anything. But after the shows, he was like, hey, you know, you did that one bit about this. He said, that was very funny, you know, and like gave you pointers on, you know, or not, not really pointers, but just you know, made comments about, you know, stuff that I had done that he really enjoyed. And uh, yeah, it, it was great. And so sad to see that he passed away. When he comes up on stage and he just, you know, there's, he's just got that very humble, self-deprecating tone to himself. And he's just, he, he was just great. On top of that, to not only be someone that you enjoy watching on stage, but then be super funny as well. It was a joy to work with him that weekend. He's on Instagram and Twitter, Dyer Comedy. We're talking about the Friends of the Bob and Tom Show comedy tour, Donnie Baker, Greg Hahn, David Dyer. This has been, yeah. I think, rescheduled two or three times, so I think people are just, yes, fi- finally, yep. let's see the show. Let's go out and see some comedy. Can't wait to get out there. I love it uh, in Boise. I love it out west, so it's going to be a fun weekend. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? (laughs) (laughs) In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What women binge wherever you listen.